0: Let me remind you of the verses that we're looking at. They're from Hebrews chapter 12, uh, and um, we're doing a little bit, uh, in case you hadn't picked it up last week, uh, we're doing a little bit kind of like we did last term, where we're sticking with a couple of verses, and then kind of pulling in all sorts of other texts to help us understand what is basically two verse, well, two and a half verses, but over the course of a whole term. So I hope, you know, two and a half verses is enough to keep you going but we'll be in other places as well and it's hebrews chapter 12 uh verses 1 and well 1 and 2 today uh, therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Um, I wasn't here last week and I keep hearing really great things about last week. Was it was it good? Yes. Excellent. Why was it good? Abby. Abby I listened. It was good. You got, to pray, for... well, for... You've got to pray who prayed for you? Other... Come on! How good is that? And I heard Monica too. She was good. I know she stole all my marathon stories. What what am I left with for this week? That's terrible. Um, That was great. I heard really good things and fantastic to be prayed for. Um, Let me share one marathon story with you. Not the same one that that Monica and I were running last year. but uh, a little bit earlier than that, um, I think about a year before, uh, me and my brother wanted to run another race um, when I was a little bit fitter than I am now, and uh, we, we just wanted to find a kind of late winter uh, run, and we found one, uh, and it was the most ridiculous run I've ever done. It was um, near Stratford-upon-Avon, and it was in the old airport, uh, and it was eight laps of the airport. Uh, with no crowd cheering your name, other than some people making sure that you went round them at the kind of corners of the airports that you did the whole ridiculous thing about eight times. The only thing that encouraged me about the whole thing was the fact that my brother, who is faster than me, as I got to about mile 18, I could see him ahead of me for the first time in my life. And I thought, I am going to catch him, and I'm going to beat him. And you know, he feigned illness on the day and feigned, you know, oh it's terribly unfit or something could have gone terrible. But I got him and I won. I'm you know it's never happened again. And he's so much faster than I am. Uh, but anyway, uh you know, it's not quite as you know wholesome as Monica's marathon stories from last week, is it, really? Um we are in this, uh, little, uh, set of verses for, for, uh, uh, the term and it's all about persevering, about keeping on going, especially when things get tough. Um, in order to get it, really, we need to get the whole of Hebrews, but we're not doing the whole of Hebrews. We're just doing this little verse. But we do have to backtrack a little bit. So, if you can kind of turn back over the page, just to Hebrews chapter 10, uh, where the kind of this argument, which is the therefore that Monica referred to uh, last week, uh, this is where it kind of begins in earnest, really, which is Christ's sacrifice once and for all in Hebrews chapter 10. Christ's sacrifice once and for all. What the writer to the Hebrews is saying is that the old system of uh, sacrifices to continually pay for the sins of people is done. It is over, it's finished. That old sacrificial system is done because Jesus Christ has come and paid the sacrifice. He's paid the price once and for all. Now there are a few things that you, you know, are not escapable when you read a passage like this. The first is that sin, as unpopular as sin is now to talk about, sin is real and it's a real problem, but there is a real solution and an outcome for it. And the outcome is Jesus Christ dying on the cross to pay for our sin, to ransom us, to set us free. And folks, I don't want you to be shortchanged. changed Any expression of the gospel that does less than that, that cuts out sin resulting in death, the wages of sin is death, that waters it down and says, no, it doesn't really matter. It's not the gospel at all. And it's quite popular nowadays to kind of, you know, make it a little bit easier you know, we, we just want to get people in, don't we? Let's just make it easier. for No, just come in as you are, everything will be fine. Well, actually, no, it's not fine. That's the reason why Jesus died on the cross for you. And he's not that he's grumpy with you, he loves you. He does it because he loves you, but there is a price to pay. But the great news is he's done it. He has done it, and he's done it to set you free. And now, Hebrews chapter 10 says, he sits at the right hand of the Father. The great news is, but we only get to the great news through what he's done on the cross. The great news is is that he sits at the right hand of the Father. Doing what? Interceding for us. Earnestly for us. Praying for us. And, I love this bit, he's waiting for the day when his enemies will become his footstool. (laughs) I know, it's good. He's waiting for the day when all the folks that want to wreck it Will become his footstool. I mean, he'd love to include them if they want to be included, but otherwise they're going to be they're going to be included in heaven, but as a footstool. That's that's wild, isn't it? Um, There's another, therefore, which is in chapter ten, verse nineteen. As a result of what Jesus has done, we can enter the most holy place. We can enter the very presence of the King of Kings, of God Almighty. A new and living way has been made open for us. At the beginning of last term I outlined this uh, this idea, this vision of us being a church on the way. And it's absolutely centred on this. That Jesus opened a new and living way for us. He's made it possible that we can be free. This is the way that we want to follow. There's not another one. There's not another one. This is the way. It's the way of Jesus Christ. And following on from that, it says, well, keep on meeting each other. Uh, keep on meeting together. Encourage one another all the more. Oh, and it also says, stop deliberately sinning. You know, I mean, there's some accidental stuff that we do where we just, we, you know, we we mess up. And, there, and the, frankly, there's the other stuff that you and me do where we know what we're doing and we still do it. And, and what Hebrews says is, stop. And I say that to myself too. And that's hard to hear. Just stop. I wish it was that easy. But that is what we need to do. Just stop sinning. Deliberately sinning. And it also says in 10.35, don't throw, I love this phrase, don't throw out confidence. You know, in, in this day and age where we get, we get such a battering as Christians for what we believe, Hebrews 10:35 says, "Don't throw out your confidence. Stand firm in that confidence. You know all the folks that are then listed in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 in this hall of Faith or Hall of Fame, they didn't receive what had been promised to them. They didn't receive what had been promised. But together with them, we are made perfect. Together with them we are made perfect. You know, this is a strange set of verses in chapter, tw- beginning of chapter 12. Let me read it again. Since therefore we are sou- surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And this is the bit that I want to focus on tonight. Everyone who has followed the Father God before Jesus, Christ, before Jesus Christ came, who God the Father has sought to include, get this, the verse before, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with all of that crowd, including the hall of faith, with them, together with us, they would be made perfect. I want, I want you to try and get your head around the wonder of what the writer of the Hebrews is saying. I, I, and I don't think we can read it in any other way other than, actually, we are being watched. I, 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 I've, I've wrestled with it. I, I think that's what it says. We are being watched. We are surrounded by this massive crowd of witnesses of all of the folks who have died in faith before us. We are surrounded by them. What does a witness do? Well, in a court, what a witness does is a witness testifies to what they've seen in order that someone could be condemned. That's not what this set of witnesses is doing. I think this set of witnesses... They're watching. They're remembering. They are testifying. So when you do something that is good, this amazing crowd of witness goes, yes, come on! How good was that? How good? What, look at what they, look at what they managed to do. That's fantastic. They're cheering us on from heaven. They encourage. They get to participate with us in our victories now you might kind of say well my I'm, I'm not sure that I'm not sure how that works I mean let me give you two other little bits of New Testament just to kind of where, where I've landed on it and maybe you know over time we'll, we'll, we'll change how we understand. but this is what I understand from it you see at the transfiguration Jesus talks with Moses they talk together and then Jesus, when he's on the cross, says to one of the criminals who's been crucified with him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, I, I'm not sure how the time thing works. Has anybody else been watching The Good Place on Netflix, by the way? Okay. Uh, me, Megan, and Abby have been watching it. Um, this is and, and Tom as well. So it's a kind of four-way conversation now, which is really helpful. Uh, the... the <laughs> How do you, I can't explain the good place. At one point in the good place, they try to explain the continuum between earth time and uh the good place time or the bad place time. You know, everything that's not earth bound. And uh the phrase that they use to come up with this is um, what was this? What was the guy's name? Johnny um Johnny Johnny Barrington I think is the is the name I'm sorry if I'm giving this away if you're not that far ahead Abby they say that, that how do you explain time outside of the earth and it's like Johnny Barrington they get a whiteboard out at Jeremy, Barrington. Jeremy Barrington thank you and and they write the name Jeremy Barrington with a great big squiggle and then it joins up where it was at the beginning and they said time in heaven is like this oh it's not linear it's kind of all over the place so I think we can kind of take off the lens that says well today you're going to be in paradise means today because it's not quite anyway I'm getting myself into really deep water Um, what do witnesses do? They do all these things, they cheer, they encourage, they participate. But primarily, the things that the witnesses who are watching us, that we are surrounded by, are doing one thing. They are bearing witness to who Jesus is. And to what he's done. You see, they are the ones who have seen face to face what we have only seen in part. They are the ones who are there, who have seen face to face, who keep crying out, the king of kings has come. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. If you want to do a real kind of uh, time flip about, um, well time, uh, try try and map out Revelation in a kind of linear format, it just doesn't quite work and it'll mess with your head. And I think there's a whole bunch of things in Revelation that are going on concurrently that that will just make our minds explode. But either way, they have seen face to face and they are declaring over us that the King has come. That he's paid the price. They are cheering us on. There are things, of course, that that get in the way, that stop us from fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ. We're going to talk a little bit more about about these next week, but let me give you uh, just three. One of them is one of them is you know the first one is sin, and that's the one we come next week. It's going to be really cheery. I'm going to be talking about sin a lot. Uh, no, do come because it's important actually. Um, sin that separates us from the king you know it turns us back to start looking at ourselves it turns us inward and it leads to the next thing which is shame you know i, I can't i can't come before you god cuz I've, I've i've done this stuff again You know, I I can't come into the most holy place. I can't come into your presence. I can't come to worship because I'm not worthy. And you know what? You're right. You're not. But He has made you worthy. He has made... He clothes you in righteousness so it doesn't matter what you've done and where you've been. He dresses you in the right clothes so that you can stand in the presence of Father God. No more shame. If that's where you are, you need to lift your eyes up. You just need to lift your eyes up back onto Jesus. To look to him and hear what he says over you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You will not hear Jesus putting you down. You will not hear him ridiculing you. You will not hear him condemning you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The other little one that can really distract us is, is this thing that I I mentioned this morning for those of you that, that were here is, is, you know, when we're, when we're so set on serving God really hard and we think that no one else is with us, And we just kind of, we're on this track and, and frankly it it leads to us being grumpy and thinking that we are the solution to everything. We try and do it by ourselves. It's the, the story that Jesus tells about the prodigal son. But there's this other son, the older brother, who's left behind working away and he's grumpy too. He needs to spend time with the Father. Jesus promises that he will be always with us in Matthew 28 verse 20. And he promises to send the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to be with us every single step. So what can you do to turn it around if you've kind of taken your eyes off Jesus? The first thing I think that you can do is you can, you can share with other people. You know, you can actually say how it is. Be willing, be willing to be in the room when you're not full of it. You know, be willing to show up and be with the church family when you've not had a good week, but you've had an awful one. Come anyway. Okay? Come anyway because you know we need to hear from you and you need to hear from us come as you are even if you've made a mess of it even if you feel awful and and tell us about it be honest about how it's going you know one of the great ways that you can do that is in some kind of small group and I really encourage you to be in one a place that's safe where you can travel with some folks and just be honest about how things are going you know most of, the, most of the small groups that we've got here house groups there's about 180 adults that are in those groups at the moment but there's all sorts of other groups as well there's, there's little prayer triplets and people meeting in all sorts of other ways I'm not too fussed what the group is but just get in something where you actually hang out with another human being and talk about life and faith the other thing is is not just that kind of formal stuff. It's about who you choose to surround yourself with. Meg and I, um, uh, many years ago, had some really, really dear friends, <coughs> and we we loved to hang out with them. We were really close with them, and and in fact, they'd 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 given us a lot of encouragement along the way. And I'm not going to tell you. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the city we were in at the time and I'm not going to tell you the name because it doesn't matter. What matters is they were dear, dear friends but actually Meg and I were both aware that every single time we spent an evening with them it just let us down. You know, they were... They'd encouraged us in all sorts of ways. In fact, you know, one of them had given us um, a word that we had forgotten about and stuck on a postcard on our wall because the picture was nice. And then we found it about ten years later and see what had been written on the back. And it was amazing. It was absolutely spot on. In so many ways it was great. But actually the four of us together was a disaster. You know we discouraged each other and dragged each other down. Folks, who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with folks that are real human beings as well as all of these saints that have gone before us? Are you surrounding yourself with people that are going to encourage you? Or are you surrounding yourself with people that are dragging you down? You know, it might be that that the folks who, who get you down, well, you know, God's calling you to spend time with them and, and help to build them up. But actually, if all that's happening is you're being dragged down by them, stop hanging out with them. Sorry. You know, it, if that's all that's happening, maybe it needs to change. Surround yourself with the folks that are going to encourage you. I, I, the, the folks that I was at college with, and I, I talk about these guys often... Um, one of them, we were, we were five. One of them has gone to Guatemala, so it's quite difficult to meet with him now, um, and um, uh, so it's, it's a little bit different in terms of shape. Uh, but we still meet up three times a year, and and actually we're so committed to meeting that that when uh, when it's time for us to meet, the guy that's in Guatemala joins us for a whole afternoon on FaceTime. It's great. It's weird. But we do full-on discipleship and accountability with each other. You you know, we we take this so seriously that we have a laminated covenant between us about what we'll talk about. I mean, it's laminated, so it's like a proper official. And I want to surround myself with those guys. Why? Because I know that when I spend time with them, I see Jesus more clearly. We're so wanting to spend time together that we've, you know, uh, in part because uh, one of these guys is in Guatemala uh, and so the, we're kind of catching on to the FaceTime thing. We're, we're doing one in the gaps now as well. So it looks like it's going to be six times a year. Come on. I've travelled with them for uh, 18 years. No, two less, one less than that. 17 years. We know each other inside out who have you got around you who are you surrounding yourself with as well as all these witnesses who are watching and cheering right now today if I kind of gave you an encourage I'm not going to get you to do it with your hands don't worry an encourage on a meter you know one of those Discouraged over here. Hugely encouraged and, yeah, come on. Where are you? Where are you? Where do you want to be? Where do you want to be? You know, if you're in that place of being discouraged and exhausted. What's going to be different so that it changes? I don't mean more effort on your part. None of you need to go away from tonight and hear, oh, Mark said, I've got to try harder. I mean, I mean, doing the kind of stuff that's going to get you into the presence of Jesus. That's going to encourage you, that's going to build you up. How does this stuff happen? I think it happens by faith. We live in this. Unseen. Where we know what's been promised. We know that we are surrounded. And what we do is we take a step of faith each and every day. One of the one of the things that encourages me, um, I'm sorry this is an illustration for me not for any of the rest of you but it encourages me is, is when I come into this place sometimes I, I look at the uh, the board behind the um, font thing at the back no it's not a font it's actually just a font with a roof there's a board at the back that lists all the rectors of this place going back to 1297 I think, is that right Pat? something like that I'm like, do you know what? Get the pressure off, Mark. Take the pressure off. There's been a few people who have gone before you. (laughs) There's been a few. And you know what? There'll be a few after. Unless Jesus returns. And I haven't got a date for when that's happening. And if you have, well, you're wrong. Sorry. Sorry. So so I'm guessing there'll be a few after. Pressure off. What's he asked me to do? He's asked me to follow him, to fix my eyes upon him. Knowing that folks have gone before and folks will come after. You know, one crazy vicar in this place Decided and he would have never, he would never get this through the Bath Planning Council Conservation Group now. He he thought it was a great idea because the church wasn't big enough to knock down the whole of the medieval church that used to be on this site and all he left was the tower and he built this place instead. I, I, well I don't think there were PCCs then, but had there been one, I guess there would have been some folks on there who would have gone, WHAT?! My mother paid for that pew. You know what? Do you know what? One of my prayers has been recently. One of my prayers has been that, that don't um, don't tell the council. My prayer is that one of these cedar trees that's here uh, would fall this way, not obviously when any human beings are in the graveyard, and the one that's there would fall that way and just take out the whole of the back corner of this church then we have a whole lot less hassle with the planning in terms of the changes that we want to put into this building. Anyway, whether there's an, whether there's an act of God or an act of planning, uh, that's a whole nother thing. But you know, there are folks that have gone before you. Has anyone, has anyone here moved into a house where some Christians have lived before? Any, what was it like? Any any of you live on Pearly Went Drive? Like Christianville Road? I mean, it is. Come on, is there, do any of you live on Pearly Went Drive? Yeah, one, okay, two, okay. I mean, th- how many Christians live on Pearly Went Drive from across the city? I don't know. You know, what's going on with Pearly Went Drive? It's a ghetto, is it? Once you're in, you never get to leave. Oh, I was trying to portray this as a good thing. Oh, sorry, apparently it's... You know, folks have gone before you and folks will come after. Whatever hardship you're going through as well, whatever tough thing that you are right up against, but you know what? There is someone, some follower of Jesus somewhere who has also gone through it. And you know what? They are cheering you on. That's what it says in Hebrews. They're cheering you on. Folks, I'd love us just to spend a little bit of time uh, cheering each other on.